Can't Wait for Christmas is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Check out all the shows on the network at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. It's April 25th, 2023, and that means there's eight months left until Christmas. Today on the show, we're taking Christmas intergalactic as we discuss the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. We'll also count down the top five minor characters who should have their own Christmas stories. We've got a way for you to welcome guests into your home in a Christmassy way, and we'll share our first batch of results in Merry Music Madness. Okay, let's start the show! Welcome, Yule Believers, to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast, the podcast all about Christmas history, Christmas traditions, Christmas media, and everything else Christmas. I'm your host, comedian and keeper of the Christmas cave, Tim Babb. Before we get to the show proper, I wanted to share a quick personal story of how being a Christmas superfan actually came in handy for me quite recently. You see, my youngest son had a project due at school this week. The kids were tasked with making a diorama or model that shows how water and wind causes changes to the earth. You could choose from various different kinds of things to demonstrate in your diorama, volcanoes, tornadoes, hurricanes, but my son chose a snowstorm. When it came time to make the diorama, it really helped that he had a Christmas-obsessed father, because I had some supplies on hand that came in handy. You see, years ago I bought some of that fake snow, it's like a big wad of cotton, people used to bunch it around the bottom of their Christmas tree. We never used it for that, but it turns out if you cut out a square of that and lay it on the floor of the diorama, it looks like a blanket of puffy white snow. Then, also a couple years back, many days after Christmas when they were on Super Duper Sale, I grabbed a couple cans of those spray cans of Christmas flocking, like you spray it and it comes out looking like snow, use it to flock like a Christmas tree. The problem is, we have a fake Christmas tree. I don't know why I bought them. The fact that they were 50 cents, I just couldn't refuse the chance to buy them. So they've just been sitting around doing nothing. But it turns out, if you want to make it look like the trees and houses and cars and streetlights in your diorama about a snowstorm look like they're covered in snow, that Christmas flocking will help you out. So don't let anyone tell you that flying your Christmas freak flag high is wrong. This was a real-life Rudolph and his red nose situation. Well, except my family doesn't really laugh at me or call me names. In fact, they're pretty supportive of my Christmas-loving ways. Okay, this was nothing like Rudolph, but I thought it was a fun story to kick things off. But let's start the real show now with our first segment, We Need a Little Christmas, now. We need a It was just Easter not long before this recording session, and my wife and my kids were lucky enough to spend it visiting my mom. And when my mom has us over, she really goes out for us, including a nice touch that she does for the bed. If you've ever stayed at a Disney hotel, you'll know that they put a little card on your pillow that you see when you first check into the room. It's like a really tiny greeting card, about three by four, and has a picture of Mickey Mouse on it, and it says something like, welcome, or sweet dreams, something like that. Well, my mom saved one of those and put it on our bed, so we saw it first thing when we dropped our bags in our room. I thought that was a pretty cool idea, and then I got to thinking, people often have guests over for Christmas. 
That would be a fun thing to do. Put a little hotel-style card on their pillow welcoming them to your house. But instead of being Disney-themed, because I don't have the rights for that, it could be Christmas-themed. So I made up a little card for the Can't Wait for Christmas store. It's a kid sleeping in his bed while Santa's sleigh flies by the full moon outside his window. Over the top of it, it says, To all a good night. There's also a message you can personalize on the back. It says, Thank you for brightening our holidays with the gift of your presence. But you can change it to say whatever you want. For the table card size ones, they come in a set of 25. But there's something new going on with our store. If you select the greeting card size, you can actually do a digital download of the graphic and print as many or as few of them as you'd like at home. So both versions are available now at Zazzle.com slash Can't Wait for Christmas. And I put links to the products in the show notes of this episode. Now it's time for our countdown feature, Five Golden Things. There's a gimmick used in storytelling that I feel has become more popular recently, where they take a side character from a story that you know really, really well, and then you tell the story from that character's point of view. I would say the most popular of these is the play Wicked, where instead of hearing the story of the Wizard of Oz from Dorothy's point of view, we hear it from the Wicked Witch of the West's point of view. And I started thinking, what if we did that with Christmas stories? Pick a side character and then tell the story from their point of view. So I'd like to count down my five picks for the Christmas side characters that would have the most interesting stories from their point of view. Starting with... Number five. Bob Cratchit, A Christmas Carol. I've always thought this would make an interesting story. Bob Cratchit is a guy stuck at a job with an awful boss who all of a sudden turns great at Christmas. Like, Bob doesn't see the ghosts, he doesn't know what happens, one Christmas, Scrooge goes from the worst boss ever to the best boss ever. That's gotta be weird from his point of view. But we don't have to start there, we can take it back. We can hear the origin story about how he and his wife met, get to know their kids, see the heartbreak of finding out about Tiny Tim's illness. And then, when he gets to his lowest, that's the point where we get to the Christmas where there's all of a sudden a Scrooge ex machina in his life. I think it worked way better than it does in other stories, where all of a sudden there's just a deus ex machina at the end and all the hero's problems are solved. In this case, we would know that this was coming. And it would be such a relief when it happened. I don't know, I think if this was constructed properly, I think it would make a really compelling narrative. I don't know if I'm the guy to do it. I've always wanted to try writing this into a story, but I've never had the time to sit down and do it. Number four. Anywho in Whoville, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. My initial instinct on this was it should be about Cindy Lou Who and her perspective of the night that the Grinch stole Christmas. But I think Cindy Lou is a little overrepresented in almost all Grinch adaptations. I mean, it's an interesting scene in the original book, but Cindy Lou Who is not a major character. Plus, she's only two years old. So either there can't be a ton of character development, or like they always do, they have to age her up for the adaptation. But I was thinking just some random Who and Whoville, we get to hear their POV of the Grinch coming in the house and taking all their Christmas stuff. It could be like a Christmas monster story where like this creature breaks into their house and steals all their stuff. They wouldn't know what's going on. Fortunately, the happy ending of it is that the Grinch brings it all back. But think how crazy it would be from someone's point of view who doesn't know what's going on. And we just get to read the story. I think that would be interesting. Number three. The Traffic Cop, Frosty the Snowman. Now, when I was thinking of this, it's more the song... Not so much the animated special, so sort of push that to the side for a second when you think about it. But I think this would be a funny, not so much retelling of the original story from their point of view, but starting with the end of the Frosty story, which is where this character sort of comes into it, and then following that character until next Christmas. Basically, the traffic cop 
has a run-in with Frosty, and then Frosty disappears. So for the next 12 months, this cop is obsessed with finding Frosty. He's got like a little evidence dungeon in his basement where he's got yards of string connected in different pictures trying to connect the dots and figure out where this guy came from and where he went and what he is. Maybe he even tracks down the magician whose hat it was and tries to get answers from him. And then finally he meets him next Christmas and everything is resolved. Come on. You're, yeah, ah, you're thinking about it. You like it? Yeah, yeah. Number two. The guy who lost to Snoopy in the lights and display contest, A Charlie Brown Christmas. This would probably just be like a, a quick, short sketch. Definitely not like a full-fledged TV special or anything. But I would love to learn about the person who put their heart and soul into the light and display contest for Christmas and got beat by a beagle. You know he said, are you kidding me? I lost to a doghouse? But that character would kind of learn a similar lesson from the original Charlie Brown Christmas special. Because the guy realizes that putting all that time and effort into decorating his Christmas house clearly wasn't worth it. It was more important to actually be celebrating the season with his family and his friends, all of that. So you get a funny little story, but you also get a little moral at the end. I think we got a winner, folks. Honorable mentions! The Santa that fell off the roof, the Santa Claus. This one's only an honorable mention because we kind of got a bit of this dude's backstory in the Santa Claus's TV series, but I'd love to know how that night went when he fell off Scott Calvin's roof. I'd like to see it from that Santa's point of view. Number one. Mary from It's a Wonderful Life. This one was actually a last-minute addition to the list, but once I started fleshing it out, I had to move it to number one. George is undoubtedly a great character who sacrifices a lot throughout the movie, but it's Mary in the end who rallies the town together to save George. So it would be great to watch that from Mary's point of view. So we start with a quick recap of Mary and George's courting process, since we saw pretty much all of that in It's a Wonderful Life. Although, maybe if we put a a slightly different lens through it, we get a different perspective on their relationship. But then, we go basically straight to the day where everything breaks down for George, and Mary's got to go out and find people to help out. Maybe smooth things over with that teacher and her husband, and also try to find George, who has suddenly gone missing. I think this could be a very interesting story to hear from her point of view on all the emotions that are going on with her while all this is happening and a great chance to make a woman the lead of one of these for a change. So that's my list. What about you? You have any side characters from a Christmas story that you'd like to hear more about or have their story flushed out? Let me know. Email them to me at christmas at tancast.com. And now a word from one of the other Christmas podcasts in the Christmas Podcast Network. Hi, this is Scott from Holly Jolly Xmasu, your podcast destination for Japanese Christmas music. If you like Christmas music and are tired of the same old songs, this is the podcast for you. Join me each month as I explore my collection of Yuletide albums from Japan, featuring everything from city pop to 80s rock, long-lost jazz, and psychedelic garage rock. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. It's some of the greatest Christmas music you've never heard. Welcome back. Now we're going to see what happens when you cross a successful sci-fi movie series with a Christmas special. Yes, it is time for another episode about the Star Wars Holiday Special. No imaginary listener with asthma who sounds suspiciously like Darth Vader. My name is Fred, and there's more to me than the fact that I marginally sound like Darth Vader, sorta. Then why do you pretty much only show up when we talk about Star Wars on this show? Just an amazing coincidence, but apparently we're not talking about Star Wars today anyway. No, today we're stepping back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe to take a look at the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Twas the night before Christmas. 
on a set lit so bright. A director was planning an awesome delight to make a Marvel special with some holiday fun. That man was none other than director James Gunn. As this episode drops, we are just days away from the thrilling and probably emotional conclusion of the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. In this film, we'll say goodbye to this unlikely team of intergalactic adventurers, at least in this form. So, before that movie turns me into a weeping mess like the end of Volume 2 did, I wanted to remember some good times with the Guardians. So let's take a look back at last year's Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. I just saw on the calendar that right now on Earth, it's almost Christmas time. We don't have time for trivialities like Christmas. But Peter's so sad about Gamora being gone. Maybe if we go to Earth for a really wonderful Christmas gift, it would make him happy. The story takes place after the events of the movie Thor Love and Thunder, and mostly follows two of the Guardians, Mantis and Drax. Mantis wants to do something special for the only Earthling among the Guardians, Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, and decides she wants to get Peter a gift. But Mantis and Drax don't really understand our Earthly ways, and the gift they decide to get Peter is legendary actor Kevin Bacon. We're looking for the legendary Kevin Bacon. We're looking for the legendary Kevin Bacon. I just said that, Drax. Your voice is small and mousy. I think maybe he didn't hear you. Ah! You're coming with us. That's a Christmas present. Antics ensue as they head to Earth to locate and kidnap Kevin Bacon, along with a ton of Christmas decorations. They go back to the Guardians' new home base to put up all those Christmas decorations they got from Earth, and they spring their surprise on Peter. However, although initially impressed with all the decor, Peter is horrified that they kidnapped Kevin Bacon, and explains to them that kidnapping people is not a good way to celebrate Christmas. So they send Kevin Bacon back to Earth, but not before everybody learns the true meaning of Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mantis. Merry Christmas, Peter. So, how does the Marvel Cinematic Universe stop fighting aliens, monsters, and terrorists long enough to have a holiday special? Well, it all starts with the writer and director of the Guardians films, James Gunn. When he delivered the first Guardians of the Galaxy film in 2014, it was a monster hit at the box office. It took a comic book team that was virtually unknown outside of the avid comic book readers and turned them into household names. After that, James Gunn was given a lot of leeway to write and direct Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And it was while in post-production on Volume 2 that Gunn had the idea to do a Guardians holiday special. He brought the idea to Kevin Feige, the man at the helm of the entire MCU, and he was totally on board with it. So James Gunn wrote the holiday special in three days and they were in development, but not for the streaming service Disney Plus where the special ended up because this was long enough ago that Disney Plus didn't exist yet. This was going to air on ABC, but it was a long and bumpy road from this idea to the finished special. You see, in 2018, the year after Guardians 2 came out, some old and very controversial tweets of James Gunn's resurfaced, and Gunn was fired from Marvel. That put an end to not only the plans for the holiday special, but also the third Guardians film that Gunn was also slated to write and direct. He was eventually rehired in March of 2019 after a public apology and a rally of support from the Guardians cast and from the fans. But not before he was snapped up by Warner Brothers to do a movie for them, the sort of sequel, sort of reboot to Suicide Squad, creatively titled... The Suicide Squad. 
So that meant he had to push his Marvel projects back until he was done with the Suicide Squad movie until the next year. Unfortunately for literally everybody, the next year was 2020. So that pushed things back even further. But once the film industry opened up again, Gunn was back on track to make Guardians Volume 3. And they had the great idea of filming the holiday special at the same time they filled Volume 3. James Gunn described it as volume three was like your job, but the holiday special was like a Christmas party that you got to go to in between. And also this way, the special had access to the elaborate blockbuster movie quality sets that were being used for the film that would have been way too expensive to create on a holiday special budget. According to Gunn, another added bonus of filming the special and the movie at the same time was that he could sneak in bits of exposition into the special that he would then not have to try and work into the movie. For instance, we learn that Peter and Mantis are actually half-siblings. We also see the addition of Cosmo, the telekinetic dog who has joined their crew. And the Guardians also have a new home. Nowhere. They don't have a home? Ah, I forgot you were still here. Why don't they have a home? They do have a home. Where? Nowhere. Nowhere? Yes. So where do they stay? Nowhere. They have to stay somewhere. True. So where do they stay? Nowhere. Hold on a second. You said they go to Earth in this special, right? Yes. So where are they before they go to Earth? Nowhere. And where do they go when they come back from Earth? Nowhere. Wait, so you're telling me they start nowhere, go to Earth, and go back to nowhere? Now you got it. I don't even know what I'm talking about. This doesn't make any sense. Well, it makes sense in the special because we learned they bought it from the collector. Bought what? Nowhere. Oh, wait. Is nowhere the name of the place? Of course. Oh, I think I see what's been going on. Great, so is this attempt at a bit over? I certainly hope so. So anyway, the special also changed from its initial incarnation. Originally, there was going to be two stories going on in the special. The whole thing about getting Kevin Bacon as a present for Peter, but then also a separate, action-oriented storyline. But as Gunn developed the special, he got less and less interested in that aspect of it and decided that the Kevin Bacon storyline was enough to be the entire plot. This makes this a unique Marvel project, not only because it's a Christmas special, but there's no bad guy. There's no world-ending stakes. There's no faceless horde of CGI bad guys to fight. It's really just a story of this misfit found family trying to find the perfect gift at Christmas. The gift of Kevin Bacon. Speaking of Mr. Bacon, apparently it didn't take much convincing to get him to play himself in this special. He'd worked with James Gunn before on the movie Super, and he was very pleasantly surprised when he was name-checked in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So when Gunn called him up and told him what he was doing, he was up for it pretty much immediately. As an added bonus, Kevin Bacon is an accomplished musician. This works out great because the special ends with an original song performed by Kevin Bacon and the band Old 97s. Let us examine the holiday spirit. Let the small kids sing so we can all hear it. Light up a fire and pull a chair near it. Cause here it is Christmas time. And we all want someone. Speaking of music, James Gunn and specifically the Guardians movies are known for having a great musical soundtrack. And James added some great Christmas music for this special. Over the course of the special, you hear great songs like Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues, Christmas Rapping by the Waitresses, Christmas Trime by the Smashing Pumpkins, and another original song written by James Gunn and the old 97s, who play an alien band in the movie, and they perform this song, I don't know what Christmas is, but Christmas time is here. Ho, 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 ho. Earthlings are so weird I don't know what Christmas is But Christmas time is here Ho, 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 ho Earthlings are so weird I don't know what Christmas is But Christmas time is here 
a fun song that really sets the tone of the movie right off the bat. Well, not right off the bat. I should mention that the special is bookended by two animated flashback sequences that show Peter's first Christmas away from Earth as a kid. These scenes were actually filmed and then rotoscoped over to give them that classic animated look. Gunn was inspired to have the animated sequences from the animated section that first introduced Boba Fett in the Star Wars Holiday Special. (laughs) Yes, you were right all along. James Gunn said one of the things that inspired him to come up with this was his unironic love for the Star Wars Holiday Special. He says they even had the special playing on a loop in the basement while they were shooting the scenes at Kevin Bacon's house. Star Wars Holiday Special represent... Sure. So clearly the magic of the holidays is an inspiration to galaxies far and near. And I can't say I unironically like the Star Wars holiday special, but if it inspired James Gunn to give us one more happy-go-lucky outing at Christmas with the Guardians of the Galaxy before he breaks my heart in about a week, then it was all worthwhile. Merry Christmas, Guardians. Or as they say where you're from, I am Groot. We love you, Kevin Bacon. Bye, Kevin Bacon. Bye, Kevin Bacon. Bye, Bye, Bacon. We love you, Kevin Bacon. And now let's get a little crazy in our final segment as we give in to Merry Music Madness. All year long, we're doing a bracket-style elimination competition to find out who is the ultimate Christmas singer or singing group as voted by you. Last time was part one of round one. You voted for your favorite Christmas music makers. Now let's see how our Merry Musicians did. Josh Groban squeaked out a win against the Waitresses, 63% to 37%. Jose Feliciano defeated Neil Diamond, 64.5% to 35.5%. Brian Setzer and his orchestra upset a lot of Swifties out there as he defeated Taylor Swift, 75.9% to 24.1%. The Beach Boys took down John Legend, 76.3% to 23.7%. Frank Sinatra threw some clothes on the bare-naked ladies as he won 81.3% to 18.7%. And Gene Autry took a decisive victory over Bobby Helms, 82.7% to 17.3%. And pop star Justin Bieber was no match for the man behind the music of the Charlie Brown Christmas special, Vince Guaraldi, who won 94.2% to 5.8%. But the biggest landslide by far of any competition in part one, round one of Merry Music Madness was poor Ariana Grande, who lost to Bing Crosby, who got 100% of the vote. He is definitely somebody to look for in the future rounds. But we're not in the future rounds yet. We're still in the thick of round one. So let's get you some new contestants for part two of round one. Let's see who you'll be voting for. Elton John versus Run DMC. The Killers versus Ella Fitzgerald. John Denver versus Johnny Mathis. Wham versus Tony Bennett. John Lennon and Yoko Ono versus Eartha Kitt. The Muppets versus the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Dolly Parton versus Paul McCartney. And Chuck Berry versus Mannheim Steamroller. And that's it. The polls will be open until May 24th. You can find the link at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com or on our Twitter or Facebook. It's totally anonymous. You don't have to provide any personal information. You just have to vote with your whole Christmas heart on which one should go to the next round. So get out there and vote and join us next time to see if your favorites will be moving on to the next round of Merry Music Madness. 
And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, kind, and jolly out there. And don't forget to vote in Merry Music Madness. And until next time, you Believers, keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2023. Oh. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, and email us about it at christmas at tancast.com, we'll send you a free Can't Wait for Christmas sticker. If you'd like to see the show notes or leave a comment on this or any other episodes, you can go to our official website, Can't Wait for Christmas pod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas-themed items all year long. We'd love to connect with you on social media. On Facebook and Instagram, we are Can't Wait for Christmas Pod. And on Twitter, we are at Christmas Pod. We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band, and this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Christian Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and they are used for purposes of commentary and review. No infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. Merry Christmas! Fun fact, I actually recorded this entire episode, including tons of outtakes while I stumbled and bumbled over it, and then when I went to go edit it, it turned out I was using the wrong microphone, and it sounded awful! So now I'm re-recording it again, and I'm remembering the stuff that I messed up on before, and I'm probably going to mess up on it again. I'm going to be way less jovial in those outtakes. I'm going to be a sad panda. George is undoubtedly a great character who sassifies He sassifies Oh, sassifies <laughs> So anyway, back to the spec. I feel like there are two camps after this nowhere back and forth with Fred. There's people who are going to either be smiling or lightly chuckling while listening to the iPad. And there's going to be people stone-faced angrily waiting for me to get back to discussing the holiday special. I sincerely hope you fall in the smiling camp if you're still listening. And now let's get a little crazy in our final segment as we give in to some merry music madness. <laughs> Why am I saying it like that? <laughs> I've never said it like that. Why would I say it like that?